Hey, hey, it's a wonderful day. We are back here for another episode of That 90s Baseball Pod. I am your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. And we are, of course, powered by Access Twins. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And I am joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Greg Olson at G-R-E-G-G Olson 30 on the Twitter machine. Greg, how are we doing today? I'm good, Brandon. How about yourself? Not too bad. If I smell, if I sound smarter this week, it's because I'm wearing blue light filtering glasses while I look at my computer screen to hopefully make there be fewer headaches. But if uh, if I do a good job this week, it's because I'm wearing glasses, and so I'm by definition smarter. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to try those. I got some of them. I haven't uh, haven't gotten around to using them yet. So. Yeah, that might make me smarter as well. Well, and if you're a sponsor out there who has blue light blocking glasses, slide into those DMs on Twitter. You already know my handle. We have air conditioning and new landscaping in my house. Two things that are definitely nice. The landscaping was a planned thing. The air conditioning was not. Um, (laughs) It was 82 degrees in my house yesterday before our air conditioning friend came over and put some Freon in there. So we are enjoying and basking in very nice 69-degree weather in our house while enjoying our new landscaping <laughs> out back. It's, it's been pretty bleak. That's I would say, Yeah, I would say uh, not having AC where you live would probably be pretty painful, too. It would be really painful, yes, but uh, thankfully everybody seems to have air conditioning, so I'd just find my way over to the nearest library or somewhere to you know, pull it together. But no, we got air conditioning at the house. and Good. I'm walking around the front yard right now, have a uh, cloudy day, and hearing that we're going to be having some Ida sightings here in the next day or two. So, see what that looks like. Well, stay safe and stay dry. Uh, The Little League World Series, though, just wrapped this past weekend, and the story was Gavin Weir of South Dakota being absolutely incredible. But in general, it was kind of a fun tournament. What was your takeaway from it? I thought, you know what, I love watching those games. Um, I love just, you know, the the college baseball, the Little League baseball, where it's just the truest game, and mm-hmm. and uh, the players are out there. All they're trying to do is win. They don't care if they go for four and have four strikeouts. Man, if their team wins, they're happy, and, and uh, that's just, you know, it's fun to watch. My, my thought, and you can feel free to disagree because it's – you know, it's obviously not the big leagues, but I just feel like the home plate umpiring is is kind of rough. It just isn't very good. Um. Well, I uh, did. What did I do? The Southeast Regional for ESPN, and um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of home plate umpiring. I've had two sons go through little league, and during the ESPN stuff, you know, it was it was really. Uh, I'm not going to say stressed, but it was, it was, you know, they let us know that these guys are volunteers and they're, they're not getting paid to be there. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of all of a sudden you start taking that into, uh, you know, your, your aspect of, well, you know, every, mo- most of every little league umpire is not getting paid or they're getting paid $25 a game or something like that. And you go, okay, you know what? I, you you kind of back off the criticism a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, that was that was where I was at. I was like, you know what, these guys aren't getting paid, and um, they're doing it for the love of the game, and they're working their butt off. And and the ones that I was watching in the southeast region, where it had to have been 105 degrees, 
Oof. <laughs> and they're out there. They're out there for two games or three games a day, and you're just going. You know, it ain't that much fun. So, um, I've umpired a couple games in high school when it was part of our part of our deal that we had to had to go umpire um, the JV games or or little league games as part of our summer kind of work, and it's really difficult. It really is. I, I, I get some of the calls, uh, you know, I, I've seen some calls in the Little League games that are just not very good at all. Right. But, man, I, you know, I, I think I was, I was probably, if they had that, you know, what they have in the major leagues with the pitch tracking, I had to have been under 50% on balls at the knees. Mm-hmm. It's just, you don't, you don't know exactly where it's at. You're not sure. And I finally just was calling almost everything the catcher caught in the air. As long as he didn't drop it or you know box it down, right? It's hard, and um, you know just sitting back there and it's hard. So I'll <laughs> just leave it at that. I know that you know, yes, there are some bad calls, and uh, you just hope they don't affect the game. But ultimately, any call has some sort of effect. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a good viewpoint to have and a, a moderate viewpoint to have that kind of balances out my hellfire and brimstone for these guys but yeah that's that's nah, you know, i mean i get i get what you're saying i'm just saying you know what tell, tell you you get back behind the box and then mm-hmm. and you know what i'm as hard i'm as hard as any on anybody as a, on a major league umpire you know um and so don't think that i'm i'm sitting back and i'm all calm and cool when i was out on the mound that's absolutely not the truth <laughs> so all i'm saying is you know i guess calling you know calling the games for espn where you, you you can't really say anything it just kind of backs you down and you're going uh yeah okay that was six eight inches outside and you know i i don't like it when the catcher's sitting up outside and, and the kid hits the glove you know two feet outside and the umpire rings him up and i'm going dude you've had plenty of time to see the kids in the other batter's box yeah you know come on that one I, that one i don't like the one where the catcher makes it look really bad by sliding out of the, you know, sliding down in a way to try to get his body in front of it. And that one I'm kind of like, well, I was kind of closer. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so, know. You know, it's just one of those things where it's hard to, hard to get mad at them. Yeah. Knowing that they're not making any money. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsors and then we'll dive into today's subject because I think it's going to be a fun one that people might not not be expecting us to cover unless they've been following my Twitter and seeing what I'm teasing. But uh, first of all, ePare is reasonably priced, trendy kitchenware. You can find them online. Just look up ePare, E-P-A-R-E, and use the promo code 10T90BP10. Now, that might seem kind of convoluted, but it's T90BP. That's that 90s baseball pod. And then 10 on each side for 10% off. So check them out. They sent me some um, mugs for a thing that I'm doing for Substack that are clear and are pretty cool. So again, uh, Ipare, I believe it's Ipare.com, 10T90BP10 is the promo code for 10% off. Symbol is the stock market for sports. Use the promo code BENDER for one free week of Symbol Gold. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app. Check them out. That looks like a lot of fun, too. I'm going to be trying that this week. Hinterland Coffee, if you Google them, Hinterland MN, I believe it is. 
is monthly subscriptions. You get 10% off coffee roasted freshly every week in Maple Grove, Minnesota. It's a high school friend of mine, and the coffee is just terrific. Three-star sports cards is in um, Little Canada on Rice Street, Bloomington, on Lindale Ave in-person stores, as well as online. Humility Chains is Royce Lewis's mom, Cindy, who is making stylish, affordable, and um, just really nice-looking chains with a percentage of the proceeds going to the Nigu Foundation helping kids fight cancer. 20-plus styles are available of both chains and bracelets. I am rocking a white one today, and let me tell you, they look really, really nice. Also, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash that90sbaseballpod. We have tiers for $3, $5, $10, and $25 a month with pretty cool prizes. Speaking of those prizes, we have hats. My aunt came visited this last week and brought uh, six or eight hats. So... Look me up on Twitter, and uh, 20 bucks will get you a hat. And uh, they're pretty nice. I'll have to send you one too, Greg, because I think uh, I think they'd look pretty good on you. Yeah, that'd be great. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. So I today... Like the, I, I like the, the twins one you sent me. Not bad. Yeah, no, I I got a new one for my aunt because the black one faded a little bit. So we're, we're in the tweaking process of trying to figure out who our vendor is going to be. And we want it to be good quality. You know, sometimes you get a free T-shirt at the ball game, and it's a 3X... And you are, you know, the size of those Little League World Series kids. And so it's not something you're necessarily going to grow into any time in this lifespan. But we're trying to make it be something that people can be proud to wear and have it be stylish and have it last. So, so far, so good, I think, is, is probably fair to say. Good. Yeah. Good. So well, what, to, are we, what are we talking about today? Yeah, ballparks. Ballparks in general, uh, ballparks of the 90s, we will... Kind of, I don't know, we'll dance around. I mean, you know, this is that 90s baseball pod, but we make the rules, and hopefully people keep listening. But, yeah, I, I assume, you know, as a reliever, you got to see a lot of different parts of the ballparks. You know, you would be in the bullpen. You'd, I'm sure you'd sit in the dugout for a little while when you were the closer. Maybe you'd handle to the bullpen right away. I'm not sure. But you probably got to see quite a few nooks and crannies that people even like me who cover games didn't get to see. Yeah. You know what you, um, I think I'm thinking of like Anaheim or Angel stadium or I'm not up to date. So you're going to have to bear with me people that, uh, I'm not up to date with all the new names of oh, the yeah. new stadiums. I just kind of, I kind of know them by what they were or where they're at. So we're just going to go with the Anaheim stadium, but there was, you know, even before the, the rebuild there, there's this, pathway around that is you know the only way to get to the bullpen i was i was always told when i was in baltimore by my bullpen coach elrod Hendricks that i had to be out from the first pitch on now that doesn't mean i couldn't go back into the clubhouse but for you know for places like camden yards or angel stadium it wasn't that easy i i, I was always absolutely against running across the field to get back into the clubhouse mm-hmm. or running, running across the field in between innings of a game and just having 40,000 people watching me, you know, show up late to work. So <laughs> there was, there, there are certain places that you had, there are, there are back ways around the stadium and angel stadium was one of them. And, but the caveat of it was, so you're walking out there in metal spikes. These cement floors are so sheen Mm-hmm. And slippery. Yep. That it, I mean, it, you're doing just little baby steps because it, you're, it's not hard at all to lose a, lose a spike and go down. 
You're ice skating, and, basically, um, right? I think, yeah, and there was actually a reliever that was, was going back there, supposedly legend had it, that broke his elbow walking around the, the back way. Um, and there's a couple ways, you know, uh, New Comiskey has, you know, a walk around. Kansas City did not. Dodger Stadium kind of did, but it wasn't that, you know, wasn't that great to get there. You kind of had to go, had to walk through a little bit of uh, fans. So that was kind of a no-go. And it's, it's always fun to, you know, see if you can find a place to a place to get back into the clubhouse for a little bit and, you know, sit down in the air conditioning, grab a, you know, grab a Coke, watch the game. Mm-hmm. You get a, get a, get a feel for, uh, you know, the home plate umpire strike zone, how guys are swinging. And so that was the main reason that I would, you know, end up going back in. But, um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of ways to, uh, roam around a stadium, you know, you know as well as I do that you can the mm-hmm. the bus drops the players off in certain spots and a lot of times you're going through the bowels of the stadium to get to the clubhouse or get to the dugout or get to the field and it's just you know if you're an aficionado of baseball then sometimes it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that click clack of cleats on the cement, whether it's with sheen or not, too. Um, you know, it's kind of endearing you know, like the sound of the ping from a college baseball bat. But then it's kind of like after a thousand steps, you're like, boy, I'm sick of hearing that. Kind of like if you're pitching and you're hearing (laughs) the ping of a college baseball bat. So, yeah, it's uh, you want to take the road more traveled, I think, in this case. But, um, yeah, I I always giggle the old Angel Stadium sign has the A in the middle. So to me, it looks like Angela Stadium. But uh, but I digress. (laughs) Um, how how many big league ballparks do you think you played in because i counted them up for you and it's more than there were ever teams in the league uh even to this day so i'll give you that hint but how many big league ballparks do you think you played in this is assuming i counted right which um you know i'm a classically trained journalist so math is not my forte i'm gonna i'm gonna be curious to see what number you got because uh when i was scouting with Actually, when I was doing the radio for the Orioles, um, I had a two-day series in Philadelphia, and they had they had all the all the stadiums. I think from like seventy on, mm-hmm. and so I started going through it, and I ended up counting forty. I think I played in forty major league stadiums. So I counted on baseball. What did you have? Thirty-nine. Uh, okay. Let's see one, two, three. I'm not going to count on the air, but um, the link that I have says 39. But again, this is me counting like on a spreadsheet. So there's a very real chance that I skipped one of these stadiums um, without intending to. But nevertheless, I also could have counted Washington, D.C. Oh. We, we would play games down there in the scrimmage game. In which, okay, you know, count doesn't count. That's where the Senators played. That's probably it. So we play the red. We play the Red Sox at RFK. In uh, yep, at RFK, play yep. them right before the season started or something like that. And so yep. that was where the Senators played. So I kind of kind of counted that one, but that's probably our I don't discrepancy know. I though. Then that's pretty good. Yeah. So we did a little trivia last week, and we're going to do a little more this week. The top five ballparks that you played in by games played. I'm, I'm curious to see 
because I think he'll mm. probably obviously be pretty much on the nose, but I'm wondering if this one might sneak up on you. So obviously I think you know which ballpark you pitched in the most with 104 games. Well, it's got to be Memorial Stadium. Yes. So that's the one I figured you would say is number one. And now I don't want me to say this and have it influence you, but I feel like you'll have number two and number three flip-flopped and that they're fairly close in number, but um, I'm curious to see what you think are number two and number three. Um, I don't want to say Phoenix. Ah, number see, two. See, I thought you were going to say the Bob for number three. Uh, we called it the Bob as fans. I don't know if you guys called it the Bob, but um, Bank One. We did, we did call it Bob. I, I just don't know what it is now. Chase so. Field, I think. <laughs> I think it's Chase, but I'm not sure. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of references to the Jake, Pac Bell, Safeco, Enron Field, whatever happens in this podcast. Keep in mind, we're talking about the 90s, and so we – do not feel the pressure to modernize these stadium names for listeners. And hopefully they don't feel. Thank you. Yes. Hopefully they don't feel the same pressure to, um, to, to force that upon us because hopefully they're enjoying this for what it is. Okay. So the Bob was number two. I'm sure, you know, number three, then be Camden yards. Yep. So four and five, I figured might get a little bit wild. So the Bob, you had 66 and Camden, you had 60. I thought it was going to be the other way around. I assumed Camden Yards, which um, opened hmm. in 91, I want to say, or 92. 92. Um, I assumed Camden would be your number two and then the Bob number three. So number four with 46 is? I'm going to go with Kansas City. The K, the big K, Kauffman Stadium. So you are four for four right now. What's number five? Oh, if you don't know, I'll tell you this much. It's no longer in existence. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good one, then. Um, it was a home ballpark. I, I think it was. Hang on. Maybe I got this wrong. Let me go back and look here. I mean, yeah, it was a home ballpark. That much in the Metro, did I pitch that much in the Metrodome? You did not. Tiger Stadium. Oh, wow. For a second, when I said it's a home ballpark and it didn't come to you, I was like, oh, no. Did I screw up? Did he not pitch for Detroit? And I thought all this time he Oh, pitched. no, I did. Yeah, so, okay. Well, yeah, but we just we wiped out, what, you know, two, three teams. So Kansas City, Baltimore, right. and Arizona were three out of my nine. So I'm going, all right, it's got to be one of those. Is it County it Stadium? Be. I didn't, or, you know. Yeah, I, didn't, I knew County. it wasn't. I knew it wasn't uh, Fulton County, because um, I didn't pitch much there when I was a Brave. Right. And so I was kind of going. You know, I, I I always seemed to pitch against the Twins. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that, and then I realized that I barely pitched for them when I was with the Twins. So yeah, yeah, you got me. Okay, and then here's another uh, here's another fun one. There are five stadiums in which you only pitched a single game. And I think the fifth one is really going to trip you up. But um, there are five that you only oh, pitched good. a single game. So all four of these, here's the, here's the hint. All four of these first four are still in existence, but actually, no, 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 sorry. 
three of the first five are in existence still, but I believe they all have different names than when they opened. So we're going to okay, confuse so everybody. I, gotta, I, I probably got a, I got a single game probably at Safeco. Yep, Safe, Safeco is one of them. That's correct. I think one of my non-existence ones might be Mile High. Yep, nailed it. So you got two more that are still in existence and then one that is not. And that's the one that I think okay, is the really going to trip you up. I, I'm going to go with Exhibition Stadium. Ah, you are, you are on that. That's, that's the one I didn't know. You know what? Maybe if I hadn't... <laughs> Maybe if I hadn't so significantly couched that it was going to be hard to um, hard to remember, you may have had more trouble with it. I don't know. No, we were on the stadiums, and it was uh, you know last series of the year, September of '88, and and uh, I just remember sitting there looking around the field, and it was snowing two out of the three days. At, you know, it was it, you know I by hypothetical it could have been my last time ever in the big leagues. You know, you get called up in September doesn't mean you're coming back. Right. And so um, I just remember, you know, vividly being there. And then the next year, you know, I don't think I think they started back at Exhibition Stadium. And sometime in May or June, they opened up the Sky Dome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I got one inning there. And so for your other two. By the way, what a weird ballpark. New stadiums. Right. Uh, yeah, it was really bizarre. And yeah. So if I mean, people it was, it was, if people want to watch a game in Exhibition Stadium, there's one on YouTube if you look up Twins Blue Jays, and I want to say it's like 1984. I, I want to say it's like Kirby Puckett's rookie rookie season, down the stretch run. The Twins uh, were just about to fall out of the race if they haven't already at that point. But um, yeah, what a wild stadium! Not to not to steal your thunder for your next two stadiums we're going to talk about but uh whew, that was a strange one look at pictures of it and you'll be like how was that ever a big league stadium it looks like like where they'd have a rodeo or something don't you think it was it was yeah it um well i mean yeah, I, you know, I got playing louisville for a, a, a couple minutes and it was a lot like louisville's mm. stadium where it's you know multi-sport multi-purpose facility and uh yeah it was it's still there. You know, if you're driving into Toronto, it's still sitting there. So, so take a got, look. So I'll be on the, be on the right side. Uh, should be on the, I can't think of the direction it would be on, but if you're going into <laughs> Toronto from the, from the airport, it's on the right side. So we've got exhibition. We got mile high and we got Safeco. We got two more to go and they are still open, but with different names. Did I only get one inning at Enron? Yep, Enron. And I even have Enron written down here. That's how I remember it. Um, with that goofy with the goofy hill out there, which they have since taken down. Not totally sure how I feel about that. But I digress. Wait, you, once you know that, that 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 was well, they, they, they copied a bunch of stadiums at Enron. Oh. And so giving you this one, I'm gonna throw one back at you while I I, I pause to try to figure out the, the last one but figure out what stadium had the hill out in center field oh, and um, actually it, it it had the flagpole on top of the hill in play in center field by the way my friend bobby vasquez drives the train at what is now the really? park yeah he's, he's a cool guy he works in the publishing industry uh in uh nearby city to houston Okay, so 
It wasn't Polo Grounds, was it? No. Okay, because I know Polo Grounds, you can play those stadiums in video games now, and Polo Grounds with like 220 to right, but like 500 feet to center. The old um, Willie Mays robbing, I think it was Vic Wirtz. There's there's a lot of um, little things that you can see that help keep that building alive. Um, for some reason or another, I'm remembering old stories of the flagpole coming into play in the hill. But I'm trying to think, Ebbets Field maybe? No, we, we, we've named it already once here today. Oh, for real? Um, oh, yep. Tiger Stadium, I bet. Yep. There it is. I remember Tiger that Stadium being so, unique in a lot of ways, and I, I was, I was like, you know, when you have that, that like it, the light bulbs kind of flickering, and you're like, yeah, I, I've heard a story <laughs> of a stadium with a flagpole, and a, but they must have removed it by the time I was watching baseball, or did I just miss it? I, I thought it was, I thought it was out there. It might have still been out there. Playing there in '96, maybe. Um, I mean, it was. It was 440 or 450 to dead center in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so they, you had that little hill that uh, Enron copied, and Enron kind of copied Fenway, you know, a, a shade to the to left field. Yep. And then right field, right field was um, uh, Texas Rangers Stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about um, that A little bit. A little bit of that. So that's the way if you look at, if you watch a game at Minute Maid or Enron, you'll see similarities to three different stadiums, you know, um, in their, in their, in the building of it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I find out useless information when you're walking around stadiums. By, by the way, you though, know, stop delaying. Time. You're, it feels like you're filibustering here trying to figure out this last stadium. <laughs> I, I, I don't have it. I really, I don't have, I can't think it, it has to be kind of one of the newer ones. It is. In Pac the Bell. grand scheme. Pac Bell. Like, so San Francisco. one game there? Well, you played at Candlestick, which uh, I believe is a, is an experience in and of itself. Um, this. Yeah, I did. Pac Bell. What? Okay, there we go. One inning, two strikeouts, hey, two punchies. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. You played there. Oh, in 2001, it gets, it, gets, it, it gets it gets better. Uh oh. Yeah. No, we uh, that was one of the ones that was that was a stadium. I think I forgot that I opened up. I was yeah. playing with the Dodgers and we op- we opened up Pac Bell. So what a stadium! Add that one to my. Uh, yep, that's a really nice stadium. But uh, we went out playing with the Dodgers, and it's like the second series of the year, and. Myself, Tom Goodwin, Paul LaDuca, and I can't think of the fourth, played Olympic Club that morning. And we normally, you know, it's like call call a great golf course and, and take some baseballs or a couple hats or something and you can go around and play. Well, we get out there to the Olympic Club and the head pro looks at us and goes, you guys are more than welcome to play, but we don't. We have a member member going off at noon, and so we don't have any golf carts for you, and we don't have any caddies. <laughs> and it was like, well, it's the Olympic Club, so we got to play, right? And I think Tom Goodwin might have been in the lineup that night, and and you know my 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 routine was uh, hit or miss. You know, didn't. 
just depended on if I was going to play or not. So I was like, all right, I'll walk. And so we go walk, play 18 holes. My hamstrings are so tight by the time game time starts. <laughs> and I get in that game, and it was like, I was going, man, you know what? If I make a mess out of this game, it's because I went and played golf, and I had to walk 18 holes with my bag on my back. But ended up working out all right, punched out two, didn't pull a hamstring. So that was my Pac Bell story. Maybe you should have played uh, round of golf like yeah. that before yeah. uh, before every game or every series. That would be maybe your, your, <laughs> your one quirk. <laughs> so I believe uh, two ballparks that opened in the 90s have already closed in or, or are no longer in MLB use anyway. Um, Turner Field and Ballpark in Arlington. I'm not thinking I'm missing mm-hmm. any because uh, – but, but, but no. how do you feel about that? I mean – Obviously, it's a contentious issue that these teams use tax money or whatever. And we're not going to get into that because I don't know anything about politics. But, uh, boy, that's a pretty short shelf life to go 1996 to a couple years ago for Atlanta. And uh, Ballpark in Arlington only a couple years longer. So I I was a little surprised both of those got the uh, heave-ho. No, I really was, too. Um, The Atlanta one, I think, came down to a little bit more of the politics and and moving out into where the, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta are going. Um, I mean, the, the, the Texas one is the one that baffles me because of those three stadiums, because I played in the one through the eighties and beginning of the nineties. And then the second one that's now out of existence, those stadiums were, you know, a driver from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think I think the new one's on top of the old site of the first one. Um, not not a hundred percent sure, so don't don't shoot me on Twitter, but <laughs> I mean they're they're in the same driveway. That's what's baffling to me, is that they just keep, you know yeah, the the old one needed to go. It was it was past its point, but you know, what, twenty years or twenty two years for the one in that's now out of existence, and they were they're in the same neighborhood. So I I don't get it. And you've talked about closing down ballparks. I, I want to ask you, obviously, um, from Memorial to Camden Yards, is there an anticipation of a new ballpark? Is there a fondness for closing down a ballpark? Is there a fondness for the ballpark you played in first as a big leaguer as your home park? What are those emotions like? Because we we never really know what does and doesn't matter to a player like that. You know, as fans, we're like, hey, cool, a new ballpark. And the old one just kind of withers away, whether it's used for college baseball or different sports. I think, um, you know, Atlanta's uh, football stadium, now that they have that Mercedes-Benz or whatever, is now like Georgia Southern Stadium. So they don't necessarily always go away, but they fade from the public consciousness in in a great deal. But from a player's side, what uh, what does it feel like knowing you're going to have a new stadium, even if it's a couple years in advance and all that stuff? Um, it was, I mean, it was exciting moving from Memorial Stadium to Camden Yards. It was, you know, Memorial Stadium was, I think, circa 1954-ish. And that's at least Baltimore. The Orioles were 1954. So let's just assume 1953 1954 for memorial stadium it it was you know it was old and it was quirky and and it had its good points and its bad points and the, mm-hmm. you know the baltimore fans loved the place and i loved pitching there i don't know why um 
but moving to Camden Yards, you just you have this excitement of a new toy, a new car. It's the same thing where you're going to work at a new place that is, you know, the top of the line. It's like you just went from a, you know, a Ford pickup truck to a Tesla. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of the feeling you get. I was only in Memorial Stadium from, you know, a piece of 88 and then, you know, so over three years to move into Camden Yard. So I, I didn't, I didn't have the fondness. I didn't have the memories of going, you know, growing up watching games at Memorial Stadium like the fans of Baltimore did. But I certainly respected the fact that, you know, beginning my career, I, I walked out from behind home plate. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go and park out in the left field lot with all the players. Nobody knew who I was. And I could walk out of home plate after a game and my car sitting you know, I'm one of the, obviously one of the first ones at the game at one thirty or two o'clock. And so I'd park in the, you know, where all the front office people would park right behind home plate in Memorial stadium. And I would just walk in and go, you know, go the front way to the, the clubhouse and I'd go walking out after a game. And after a little while, people started finding me and it was, it was comfortable. It was there. They just hang around my car. We talk baseball for 20 or 30 minutes. I'd sign autographs and I'd go home. And so you have these memories of these people that you didn't see again. And it wasn't that they didn't show up or you just, we didn't have, we, I, I didn't have the access to the fans that we did at Memorial stadium. And, um, that was one of the special things about playing there. It was, it mm-hmm. was just, you could go walking out and sign autographs and at Camden yards, you go pulling into the player's lot or, or even in the tunnel. And you can go, you can go through, you know, four or five hours of not seeing a fan. And so like it, don't like it. I mean, that was one of the great things about Memorial stadium. So it was, it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun time. It was a fun era. It was, you know, a whole bunch of homegrown Baltimore guys and they didn't do free agents. And, and, um, so you, you came up with these guys and, and that was, that's how I remember Memorial stadium. Did you have any keepsakes from any of the parks you closed down? I mean, obviously, Memorial is going to be more near and dear to you as a home ballpark. But did you, you know, I know they discourage fans from taking stuff. But, I mean, did you take any, you know, um, dirt from the mound? Or, I mean, was it just kind of not really a thing for you? I didn't, you know, I really didn't think about it. Um, I did think enough to, they were passing out posters, I think, that week. And, um I did think enough to get a poster. I got, you know, everybody that was on the roster at that time to sign it. Oh, that's pretty cool. So a big old poster, M- Memorial Stadium. Well, probably and f- well, 40 a, guys, you know, too, because it was uh, September, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And so coaches and players, and then uh, um, they had a cool picture they took that was one of the, I don't know how they did it, the, the panoramic photos that, you know, circled everybody that had come back you know, from Baltimore's history. And um, so that one's pretty cool because you got Frank Robinson and Brooks Robinson and Ripken. I don't think Eddie Murray was in L.A. He didn't come back. Um, But you just had things like that. It was just really cool photos or, you know, memories. But I I didn't, you know, should have taken a seat. I don't know how I would have gotten one because I think they still had some football games with Navy or somebody else for a couple of years after that. So they probably wouldn't like me removing seats. 
No, 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 no. I'm I'm sure they wouldn't. But um, they did end up like with the Metrodome. They ended up selling them, which you know, and maybe on eBay you could find them. But at this point now, 30 years removed, I'm not sure that uh, it would hold the same kind of uh, nostalgia for you. <laughs> or maybe it no, would. I don't know. I don't think it would. Yeah. No, so, I I don't know what I'd do with it. It'd be kind of one of those keepsakes you're looking at in the room, going, "What am I gonna do with that?" That's me. That's me with uh, pieces of the Metrodome roof. It's like, yeah, this is cool, but uh, all right, you know, it's a big chunk of Teflon. Okay. Um, pretty cool, that's but pretty yeah. good. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about ballparks that opened during your career and. You know, obviously you won't have played at all of them because some of them were later in your career where even with um, with interleague, you get, you just didn't get there. Uh, three of them that I identified that I don't believe you played at were Comerica, Miller Park, and then PNC in Pittsburgh. Um, PNC is regarded as one of the more beautiful ones, as is the San Francisco one that you played in just one time. But have you gotten to each of those parks now in your broadcasting career? Cause I would have to assume at least some of them, um, especially Comerica being, a an American league park. I did get to Comerica, um, you know, beautiful ballpark and, and much better than, than tiger stadium. Uh, the Pitts, the Pittsburgh is absolutely a, a place that if you guys haven't been there, you need to see it is. It is a ballpark to rival Pac, Pac Bell uh, mm-hmm. for for beauty, for um, just the look from you know out over center field is just unbelievable. Um, trying to think, Miller Park. All right, I gotta ask. Run, where's Miller Park? Milwaukee. It's it's American Family now. Um, oh. Yeah, okay. so it's it's. I, yeah, I wasn't putting the Miller. I was like Miller. Yeah, it's like um, a big airplane hangar. Okay. You know what? It was being built when I was playing, so I had gotten yeah. there a couple times as a scout, and um, that was another beautiful ballpark. And if yeah, you've honestly, never, not, ever been in Milwaukee in September? Un- it is underrated. Cold. The park yeah, is underrated, I agree. though. I think it's. I think a lot of the new ones are really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked we talked about Minute Maid slash Enron, and I already gave a spiel for Pittsburgh. But the Mil, uh, you know Miller Park's really good. Comerica's really good. These ballparks are, you know, fun places to go and watch a game. I have not been to the new Brave Stadium. Mm-hmm. I have not been to New Yankee Stadium. Uh, did a scouting thing at uh, Miami. And I'm thinking, of where else does that leave us? City Field. And uh, scouted there. Obviously, met you at Target Field, so you got to <laughs> cross that one yep. off. Um, you know what else is newer? Washington. Now that they're at uh, Nationals Park, as opposed to RFK. Um, no, but scouted scouted there. Philly is somewhat new. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm coming up blank here. I mean, I probably shouldn't be, but uh, Oakland is as old no, as I ever was, so not there. Um, yeah, I think the only one I haven't been to is, is, is right now is Yankee and um, what did I say? Might be it. Wow. Oh, I haven't been to New uh, New Atlanta, oh, New right. Atlanta, New Texas, and and Yankee are I think are the the three that I have not been in. Well. All pretty defensible, all things considered. The only one that's been open for that long is 
is the new Yankee one, and that's I think that's 11 or 12 years old now. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and like I said, too, we're going to probably mix and match some metaphors and some names here. So when we talk about progressive field, I still to this day call it the Jake. I feel like that and Camden Yards kind of spurred the revolution of new modern parks and um, have a lot of character, have a lot of fun little intricacies, but didn't go so far into the new age. I mean, let's let's be honest. I've never been to the Miami one, but it feels like in some ways it's just a little bit, as kids would say now, extra. So I think that uh, I, I really like what Progressive Field and Camden Yards did to kind of begin this boom of uh, fun modern ballparks. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I don't, uh, the Miami one's just weird. You know, I mean, that, that's a whole, that's a whole lot of neon green. Mm-hmm. At least it was last time I was there. The, the whole interior seemed like it was neon green. So, um, no, I totally agree with you. I think Camden and, and uh, called it Jake did it right. Did it well. You know, I think Texas, Texas might have been the next one in line, at least in the American League. I might be wrong. No, I I think you're I right. They, I and thought I think, they did it. They did it well. I think their um their tiered structure reminded me. Obviously, it wasn't the same, but just the slightest bit of the overhang at uh, at Tiger Stadium. Not obviously, you know. I think the overhang at Tiger Stadium actually hung like over the field. But I like that tiered structure of um, different levels. You know, um, Yankee Stadium obviously has it as well. But I don't know. It's just a, it's another quirk that different stadiums do differently. And I just I really like that in right field watching, you know, for my era, Josh Hamilton launch homers out there. But before that, maybe a Rusty Greer or a, a Mickey Tettleton. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, those guys were. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I thought. Yeah, I really thought Texas did it well. Um I mean, the only one now, you're going to get mad at me, don't get mad at me, but the Uh-oh. only one that really, I, I, the new one wasn't that done well was New Comiskey. was not, uh, it was just like, they just threw a big circle around it, I, and I swear they forgot to put the bullpens in, because we were <laughs> out there and, you know, in just a dirt little cutout underneath the, underneath the stands, um, that one, and that one, you know, the interior wasn't done real well. It was, it was really weird. You There's know, a, it came after, came after Texas. So it was okay. This, this, this is the way things have been set. These, these stadiums are pretty good, really but, good. And then yeah. they throw New Comiskey, and you're like, Ugh. there's a, there's a Twins White Sox game from 1993 on YouTube that is, is uh, one you can watch to see how the stadium has evolved since then. But, um, you know, you get to see Frank Thomas on the run to trying to win the MVP that year and all that fun stuff. I, I like going back and watching those games, and maybe someday when we run out of content, we'll just do watch-alongs. And, you know, when uh, when Frank Thomas comes to the plate, yeah. we can talk about how terrified you were of him, even though you guys were college teammates. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, people can go back and look at that. I. I've just never really thought that ballpark had that much character. And, you know, it, it was across the highway from where Kirby Puckett grew up. Not always the the nicest area of town, but I've, I've never been to that part of Chicago. I've only been to Wrigley. Um, yeah, that, that field or that stadium has been a mystery to me ever since I started watching baseball because I just don't really understand what the plan was there. 
No, like I said, I just I really feel like they they forgot to put the bullpens in, and they they are obviously different now. Like you said, if you want to go see what the bullpens or everything look like, go back to the '93 game that Brandon just referenced mm-hmm. because it, it looks a little bit different now. But I, I swear they forgot to put the bullpens in, and they cut something out and pasted it together and did whatever they could. But it was uh, it was just kind of. Middle of the road, nothing special, no special um, pieces or, or things to look at in the, in, in, in the stadium at all. Yeah. Um, another one that opened that we talked about briefly was Roger Center. Back then it was Skydome. So there's a lot of wrinkles there. I mean, first of all, you're crossing into Canada as you would if you were playing the Expos, which again is now the Nationals. But... A trip to Toronto, I mean, I've seen on whiteboards at Target Field, don't forget your passport, and they're very, very uh, obviously adamant about that. Um, Just kind of tell us what a a trip to Toronto was like, because not only were you going to the Great White North, but Skydome was, I mean, it's not exactly like the Metrodome, but there's a hotel, it was the Renaissance Hotel and Center, and there's, I think it was Renaissance, maybe I'm wrong, Um all just all kinds of different cool things and maybe not so cool things about a stadium with at least at the time astroturf and kind of funny height fences and all kinds of stuff yeah it was um i mean you know it was the first roof that uh, was able to open and close yeah so that part of it was that part of it was really cool i'll uh, i'll give one Toronto story. I was flying in, and uh, me and Toronto had this. I don't know. It was kind of weird. That you know, I, I struggled there. Gave up an epic wild pitch in the bottom of the eighth of game one sixty. That ended up, you know, being the difference in a game that was. I think we were one game back of the Blue Jays in eighty nine. So. It, I don't, people, I don't, they, they knew me there. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had actually pitched fairly well there. And so I go, uh, we had an off day. The team, you know, the team flew to Toronto. I stayed home. I had something, either family or something. So I stayed home on the off day. So I flew up the day of the game, the first game of the series. And I forgot my passport. <laughs> oh, no. So, Land in, land in Toronto, and like I said, I, I, I had a history there, and so I'm explaining to, you know, the nice people that were in charge that I was a Baltimore Oriole player, and all I had was a drive. I, they kept me there for three hours. And they, I mean, oh, no. they were, I, was in, I wasn't detained. I wasn't – I was just sitting in a room. And my suitcase was completely, you know, flayed open. And it was just mm-hmm. one of those where I was like, oh, I, know you, I know you guys are messing with me. You have to be. They're, you can't possibly be doing this to everybody that comes in here without a passport. But that's my Toronto story of leaving <laughs> my passport. I was going to end up sitting in, the, sitting in the office for three hours plus and kind of getting interrogated. It was it was, it was kind of comical when you look back at it. At the time, I was going, man, I might miss the game tonight. Yeah, you're um, not feeling that too well. No, it was it was bizarre. But so that you know what the Sky Dome was, uh, it was kind of weird. You, you, you 
clubhouse was right underneath the dugout. You had all that smooth cement, so you had to watch where you were walking. Um, Did you guys stay there? You know, the cool thing about no, okay, no, I don't, I don't think any any team stayed there. Um, I think it was, I mean the hotel was too expensive, and they weren't gonna. No, no, you're not no. gonna get great great deals at the hotels. Um, but the cool thing about a lot of these cities that we're talking about, you know, I'm talking about Boston. I'm talking about actually now, you know, the way the new Minnesota stadium set up is that you can you can walk home after the game mm-hmm. and and have a nice walk. And so Toronto, you you could you know you could walk home after the game and. Yeah, I mean, it might be a mile and a half, might be two miles, you know, but it's a comfortable walk. People are nice and friendly and don't bother you. And, and um, you know, grab a, grab one of your other guys that likes to just take off and walk. And, and uh, that was one of the cool things about a lot of the places. You know, I remember Bob Melvin and I was, were uh, would walk home from Fenway Park to the Sheraton in Boston. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the clubhouse guy would give us a cigar. We'd light it up, take off walking through the bowels of Fenway Park, and and uh, come out the backside and end up, you know, walking for thirty or forty-five minutes talking about the game, and and that was that was every night. So Toronto was one another one of those places that was just kind of a fun, fun walk, you know. And actually, the Cleveland, old Cleveland Municipal, you could walk to. A little bit more of a walk, but still fun to walk down to the flats. Yeah, for another one of those old uh, old stadiums that most everybody on here, unless they were alive in the '70s and '80s and watching baseball, wouldn't recognize Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. Well, did they film uh, Major League in that stadium? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, they did. Oh, well, well, you know what? You Actually, just a piece of it. Most of that, rest of that, was filmed in uh, Milwaukee. No kidding. no kidding. So yeah, so Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen comes out of the bullpen, and that bullpen is in Milwaukee. Well, that's a so long there, run there is, in Cleveland, then. <laughs> yeah, there there is glimpses of Cleveland Stadium, mostly from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and they might have gotten like one game, and it was like they 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 penciled it in as a road game. That was in. Cleveland, but the rest of the rest of the movie was made in in Milwaukee County Stadium. Wow. Um, yeah, there you go. We so the ones that opened up during your career that we haven't really talked about. Um, let's see, Progressive Ballpark in Arlington, Camden Yards. We'll, we've obviously talked about um, Coors Field. Didn't really talk much about Safeco, um, and then again the ones you didn't play and we talked about too. Do, do, do any of them? jog your memory with any fun stories from you know Coors or or Safeco or anything I mean obviously your your playing time there would probably have been pretty abbreviated but um anything that stands out there um I'm in courses Coors is a great another great facility Safeco I think I was in there for one series so I didn't really get a good feel for it but it, it reminds me a little bit of Target Field could... yeah no I, I agree with you on that um so I didn't get a really good feel for that one. Course field, you know, major upgrade over Mile High Stadium. And I you know, is another stadium really well done, nice 
nice viewpoint. You know, we talked about just the view from the city and, and, you know, you can't forget nationals park where you're, you're, you're looking out over the Capitol building. Um, I just, I mean, they, everybody did it really well, except for one team, you know, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to beat on them, but you know, the, 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 the new ballpark in Minnesota is fabulous. It's just, everything's really good except for one ballpark. Mm-hmm. What, what of the ballparks that were replaced in that era needed to be replaced the most in your opinion? Well, I just municipal stadium in Cleveland was. Cause I've heard Texas awful. was bad. County stadium was bad. Um, you know, I've, I've heard there were some stories of how, you know, nasty it could be in Texas when, uh, you know, how hot it would get. And I mean, it didn't get any less hot at the ballpark in Arlington, but at least you had something to look at. Um, you know, I didn't mind. I didn't, I really didn't mind the, the ballpark in Arlington. Uh, it, well, yeah, I mean the one before that, before that. No, I'm talking about, I mean the one before that. I'm sorry. Oh, um, got it. Got you it. Could be a, you, you could get to the clubhouse easily. It was, the clubhouse was huge and spacious. So you had, you know, you had some space. Uh, when we played there with the Orioles, the ballpark was, a, you know, right behind the hotel swimming pool. So all you do is just walk out through the swimming pool and, and you're at, you know, Texas Rangers Stadium. Yeah, yeah, my mistake. That was so Arlington it, it, Stadium. I didn't, I didn't realize it was named Arlington Stadium. Well, that's all right. Um, yeah, and so it, it, that was that was really cool that you you could you could walk you could walk five minutes and be from the hotel to the stadium. That's you know for me, that's a, I thought that was a great aspect because you know who wants to spend forty five minutes or an hour going from your hotel to the stadium every day, you know, twice a day. It's just not that much fun. So. Right. I thought there was good aspects of that one. Um, Municipal Stadium in Cleveland needed to go. Uh, County Stadium, other than me pitching well there, that needed to go. Uh, I got, I got maybe, maybe a year plus in Old Comiskey. That one way needed to go. Mm -hmm. One or two years. I can't think of. I pitched in there through 91. Um, what else? Obviously, I said Exhibition Stadium. Never was a big fan of the Montreal Stadium. We'll get into that one. Oakland, Oakland is, I mean, it used to be a great place to pitch because you couldn't, I mean, for the, all the Bash brothers wanted to do, it was hard for them to get balls out of that ballpark until they put the football stadium in. Yeah, 96, so, I think, was the year it exploded because, like, Terry Steinbach hit 36 homers that year or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it used to be it used to be a cavern where you just try to get them to hit long fly balls to center field because it was just dying in that cold wind. Mm-hmm. So, that, Oakland, still need, Oakland still needs to go. <laughs> Do you uh, – do you have any fun memories from parks that no longer exist that you played in though? I mean, obviously home parks of, uh, Baltimore, you know, um, that, that's going to be part of it, but, uh, you know, tiger stadium or, or any of the others that have, have since closed that you're like, yeah, you know, I really like this specifically. Oh man, that's a great question, Brandon. Um, you, know, you have you have memories of most of the places. 
and uh, you hope that they're good. I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I, I ran across the thought in old Comiskey of, of sitting out in the bullpen and being told that, you know, one of the flashing lights on the scoreboard is telling the hitter for the White Sox that the fastball's coming. Oh, geez. And so, <laughs> so you're always paranoid about, you know, what's being watched on TV or watched, you know, in, in a, on a monitor somewhere and, and the sign being given. So you're, you're peeking around trying to see if the scoreboard's blinking. You know, things like that. Um, I mean, the Metrodome memories of Cal Ripken trying to, you know, make that run up those steps. And I think doing it in six or seven, maybe eight. Oh, that's right. Jumps going, going up that, uh, that, I think it's three stories, isn't it? It's awfully tall, that's for sure. Cool. Yeah, up to the cl- up to the clubhouse there, and then uh, you know the hours of tape ball games played after everybody leaves at the Metrodome with the Ripken brothers, and that <laughs> most of them I missed. But where else? Hated the Kingdom. Yeah, I I could kind of get gauge that uh, a lot of people didn't really care for that ballpark. Well, I didn't like that one at all. We gave up my first home run there to Steve Balboni. I swear, Eddie Murray came up after the game, and he's like, dude, that ball cracked the kingdom. You you need to stop. Maybe that was Don't the beginning of the end of the kingdom, and you're the one responsible for Safeco yeah. getting built. <laughs> oh, man, Balboni killed it. Um, <laughs> I don't really have – hadn't really thought about it. You know, you just kind of run through, and aspects come and go, and, and – yep. uh, you know, it was it was fun to have played in all these stadiums and to open a couple of them and close one or two. And, you know, one of the cool aspects of being around long enough. What uh, What's the thing that makes a stadium a classic for you where, you know, Wrigley was renovated and not replaced? And again, those renovations were kind of maligned in the sense that you're taking a classic and kind of putting a paint uh, a coat of paint on it that people didn't really appreciate but Fenway is a classic what made those a classic as opposed to you know the previous Yankee Stadium which eventually got taken down is there a a defining factor for you that makes a stadium more classic than another and thus is less likely to be replaced as opposed to renovated that's a great question as well um I don't I don't know what the deal is of, of how, you know, people pick classics and then they don't, you know, you, yeah. you, we throw up Fenway, we throw up Wrigley and what they did to the clubhouse in Wrigley was, you know, was great for the players. The interior is, you know, in good shape. I think that's, I think that's a lot of it. It's what the fans see, you know, on the inside of it. It might be the difference between, you know, Wrigley and Fenway staying for a hundred years and Tiger Stadium getting getting canned. Yeah, there's another one. Or or Yankee Stadium getting canned. And you don't you don't understand I don't understand the difference to be honest with you, because in my eyes, you know, it it's fun to fun to go play in those places because you're going, you know, Babe Ruth played here and and Ty Cobb and Ted Williams, and, and you can go down through the list of the greatest players in baseball, and they were sitting in the same locker room as you were, and they're on the same 
piece of dirt that you were playing on. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of it was, that was always what those stadiums meant to me. It was, you know, the people that played here. So I could never differentiate, but, you know, Wrigley Fenway, but, you know, and then you have Tiger getting, you know, getting cut off and, and Yankee Stadium getting cut off. I never understood the difference. Right. Um, are there any parks in existence right now that you wish you'd have gotten to pitch in that you didn't? I had never thought that one. Um, that's a good thing. I think it'd be fun to, yeah, I think it'd be fun to think, you know, fun to pitch in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, the state, the stadium's beautiful, but when you're on the mound and you're facing the guy, you're not thinking of, you know, how, how beautiful the stadium is or (laughs) where you're at. You're, you're on a piece of dirt. He's in a batter's box and you know, that's the game. And then maybe afterwards you look around and you go, Oh yeah, I just got the last out in Yankee stadium. That's kind of fun. Yeah, you know, something like that. But for the most part, you never. I never sat there and I looked at you know looked at the field and while I was in the middle of a game, just you just don't you don't think about it. But I, I mean, we you know we talked about the beautiful new ballparks that I haven't, uh, I didn't play in, and, and Pittsburgh would be one of them. I'd like to like to throw a pitch in um, the new one in Minnesota. Is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's pretty fair. Seems like it's pretty fair as well. The pitchers so. Yeah, it's really uh, it's yeah, really most... tweaked a little bit as far as how that's turned, but that's uh, that's good to hear. Did did a ballpark ever help you decide which team to sign with or not? You know, we talked last week about free agency where you got to choose versus taking the job that was in front of you. Did a ballpark ever help you decide one way or the other where you wanted to pitch? No, never did. Uh, it never never crossed my mind. It was just a small piece of the the pie that, you know, mm-hmm. where I worked. Could you, you imagine know, a scenario where it would have matter. happened? I really can't. I really yeah. can't. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, I had, uh, you know, a slim shot when I came off the elbow injury of, of kind of going wherever I wanted to go. And it was looking at the teams and who was good and, you know, all the aspects that were involved in free agency and none of them, none of them was the stadium. So, Okay. I don't think I don't think it factors in, even though it's you know a place you're going to go to work for the next two hundred days, give or take. Right. Um, so nowadays we have park factors, and if you haven't used those or seen those, it basically is just like you know Target Field's home run park factor for left-handed hitters is 105, and it just means in general that 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 park for that player of that handedness is favored by that percent. So a 105 at target field would say, Oh, left-handed hitters are favored by 5% home run wise at that park. Um, you guys obviously didn't have park factors back then, but to the degree that you would know a park would play more favorable to right-handed hitters, left-handed hitters, push hitters, pull hitters, line drive hitters, all that. How many of those factors were you aware of? And how long did it take you to become accustomed to, understanding that specific building and, and the quirks and how it would maybe alter your pitching and uh, how you'd use your repertoire. Um, well, I mean, everybody knew Coors Field in Denver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, was a hitter's ballpark. They had, they had some bashers running through there in the, the mid to late nineties that, that, uh, you know, I, I, you recognize that those right-handed guys like Dante Bichette, Vinny Castillo, um, guys like that were 
more than comfortable letting the fastball get deep in, in the zone. And they know that they can hit a home run to every piece of the ballpark. It's just because, you know, they're obviously really strong and good hitters, but it's also the ballpark ball flies everywhere. Right. So you, 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 rec- you recognize their, you know, their strategy, and then you try to counter it with whatever you can do. You go to Fenway, and it's almost an advantage at Fenway because every right-handed hitter seems like they want to leak a little bit. Mm-hmm. and try to get out front and pull everything because, you know, the the green monster's 300 feet away. So you have a little bit of an aspect there where, yeah, it's not real beneficial to have a short porch like that, but the balls that, you know, I've given up one ball that had been out at any ballpark except it wasn't high enough. And then I gave up, you know, one ball to Dwight Evans that barely snuck over the wall. And right. would have been caught by my left my left fielder if he'd had five more feet to walk back. Um, so you have that aspect in Fenway where it kind of comes and goes both ways. You know, it's it's fair. Never have I, I still haven't seen any left-handed hitters in Fenway take advantage of the pesky pole. Right. You know where it's two you know two eighty six I think down the right field line. Right. You know, then then it slams out quickly, but it's still two two hundred eighty six feet down down the right field line in Fenway in Fenway Park. You know, stuff like that is you know I, I don't I haven't seen a whole lot of guys take advantage of that where they you know somebody hooks it around there and it ends up changing the game. But right, um, where else are we thinking? Arizona. I recognize that there seemed to be a outgoing jet stream out to the the pool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some balls, balls fly there. Um, thankfully I, I didn't recognize it while I played in Baltimore, but they had initially when they built the stadium, put up like 375 in the power alleys and they lied and it was actually 364. Oh, wow. Yeah, so found that one out after I think after I left, and also found out that when it gets hot in the summer, there's a nice jet stream going to both power alleys. So that ended up being something I'm glad I didn't know. You know that there's a jet stream going out to this 360 foot power alley at Camden Yards. Wow. So, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. It really is. I'm trying to, yeah. So I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, you know, you knew at you knew at night, San, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, Dodger Stadium, all the places on the coast. It was it was hard to get balls out at night. Um, not not near as hard to get them out during the day there. So you just you know you have little things that you learn over time, or you know somebody that's played there for a while tells you, and you start picking things up. Sure. What what were your favorite stadium quirks? Huh. Favorite stadium quirks. Hey, I think I'm throwing you curveballs today as opposed to you throwing people curveballs. That's probably a, a nice uh, change. You're getting me on stuff I've never thought about, you know? Good. Um, Good. I like that. Favorite stadium quirks. I mean, you know, I'm thinking you can't, you couldn't see the bullpen from a municipal stadium. So most of the, 
most of the stands couldn't see what I was doing down in the bullpen. We actually had a trash can on fire one night on a really cold night. Um, <laughs> Literal dumpster no, fire. No, nobody came down. Yeah, no, and nobody came down to look. Um, <laughs> that one was good. Let's see, what else? Minnesota. I mean, I, 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 loved, uh, I loved old Yankee Stadium and the monuments. You know, and the bull the bullpens right out in the monuments, and I don't for some reason, for some reason they had. I, I was I was in both bullpens two or three times where they'd switch them back and forth at the old Yankee Stadium. So you know, one down the left field, one in left field is Yankees one year, and then it's the visiting team one year, and they kind of back and forth, and that part of it was kind of weird. But being out in the monuments, you know, nobody really cared if I'd kind of walk around and and take a look at the monuments out in left field um i don't know what else brandon i don't <laughs> well trying to think of trying to think of some quirks there's a little back room where you can go watch the ball game in arizona and there's a double door that goes back and there's a little tv back there you can go hide if you need to get out of the bullpen but well also too maybe that could be a brandon in, in uh Minnesota question in the future. Maybe we'll uh, jog your memory a little bit. All right. So yeah. we are to the listener portion of the program. Listener questions that come to us via symbol dot app. Are you are you ready to wrap this up with some listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. So symbol is the stock market for sports. It allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. It blends sports and the stock market so you can invest in a new way and profit off your favorite teams without high fees or high losses of gambling. So use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. There have been over 7,000 early adopters who are already using this. It's www.simbull.app. You can create a free account, and when you deposit, use the promo code BENDER like a curveball bender for one free week of symbol gold. That's symbol.app, promo code bender. So here are the questions that I have cultivated for us. Let's hope they're good. Josh, uh, Prime Donaldson, goes by Josh Daddyson on Twitter, which is kind of funny. Um, was the Metrodome just a giant piece of crap and it's just nostalgic to us, or was it ever nice for its time period? I mean, it was a nice place to play. And if you look at the other aspect of me playing outside in Minnesota in April and September, yeah. October, it's, you know, you, you're happy to be indoors. It was, uh, I mean, the clubhouse was nice. The people were nice. I, I thought it was a fair place to play. I didn't ever think it was a dump. I didn't, I didn't have a, a lot of success there. So mm-hmm. wasn't a huge fan of going to Minnesota, but, you know, in the grand scheme of stadiums, it was average at, at worst. Josiah Walder, Waldner, excuse me, wants to know what was so bad about Olympic Stadium. Um, you know what? There, there, it, it was cool in the aspect that you you could take a train and the train would pull right into the stadium, and so the way it was designed for the Olympics, I assume in seven, I think seventy six, mm-hmm. that. 
you know, public access, you know, get on the, get on the subway and it would take you straight into the stadium. That was one of the stops. So that part of it was really cool. What wasn't cool, what was so bad about the place was that the series or two that I ever played there, mm-hmm. there's a thousand people in an 80,000 person stadium. Yeah. That's what stunk. Right. It was right. 1,000 people and you're looking at this cavernous stadium and there's nobody there. And it was just, it was, it was like playing in the games during COVID last year where there's nobody in the stands. It's just depressing. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Jared Willis wants to know about the end of Tiger Stadium. Um, we did talk about it a little bit, but uh, when you see pictures now, too, of what's left, and I believe it was just like an open field, maybe home plate was still there, it certainly um, it is kind of disappointing to see an iconic stadium go by the wayside like that. Though at the same time, um, you know, we saw what happened with both uh, – what was it? The silver dome in Detroit. And, uh, I think the Astrodome in Houston, both became dilapidated and just fell out of, fell into disrepair. So you can't really keep a stadium like that around. It's not a nostalgia thing, but, um, you know, is there anything about tiger stadium? We didn't talk about that. You would want to, you know, jog our memory. Well, I mean, it was just one of those places that it was, it was, it was a sign of the times. It was, uh, you know, the, the walk from the clubhouse to the dugout, the ceilings were, you know, five and a half feet high. And so you're, you're looking at it going, well, these were designed with the players from the 19 early 1900s in mind. So everybody's that much shorter that I can't walk down this hallway without scrunching over and it's the same, the bull, the bullpens were, you know, little miniature submarines that you were stuck down there. And it was just uncomfortable and you couldn't stand up and you could, you, you could barely sit there with a, you know, a, a group of players, but you couldn't go into the dugout because the dugouts were too small. So <laughs> there were some aspects that weren't that great. Like I said, I, I don't understand why it wasn't, um, I don't know, fixed up. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't think it was in the best area of Detroit. Right. So there were some a- aspects of people weren't coming down there to go watch games just because of the area it was in, you know, less than uh, the stadium being old. So we're going to wrap it up with extraneous Ed. That's a fun name on, on Twitter. Um, he had three questions. The first yeah, one, good name. Two, yeah. First one we talked about was best nineties ballparks aren't around anymore. So we'll let that one be. Um, Two, ballparks that fans whack, ra- wax rhapsodically about that players hated. So it was there a ballpark where, twi- like, not Twins fans, any fans were just like, oh, this is great. And you're just like, nah, it's it's not nearly that, uh, it's not nearly that nice. <laughs> you're just going to bury uh, some people today. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, I'm sure people wax poetically about candlestick park but um Oof. that yeah. one that that one needed to go you know the kingdom needed to go you're kind of just running through them and it's fun you know i got to play in two places in in chicago and, and old comiskey needed to go and mm-hmm. and municipal stadium needed to cleveland i'm sure people wax poetically about that one just because of the you know that's where the browns played and and um 
you know, that was the dog pound, and that was where everybody went for football games. And and oh, by the way, that you know, the Indians played there for a while. Um, I can't think of Kansas City. Kansas City still the same. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's going through three of them, so you know, right. I'm sure people people love Fulton County, but. That one was in the area of the '70s, where they had all the all the designs of the stadium were the same. It's kind of like New Comiskey, where it's just a big round circle. Yeah, and had you know had a roof and had an underground drive drive around that you could you could work around as uh, if you're dropping stuff off or equipment or anything, you could drive around this whole circle. Kansas City was one of those. Pittsburgh, New Comiskey. Um, I think of where else, but no, I, I don't have one where, you know, people love the stadium. I, I, I named the ones that needed to go, but mm-hmm. if you were a fan and you're sitting up in the stands and you, you think the place is great, like municipal stadium in Cleveland, then you probably need to get out more. <laughs> well, uh, Ed here has one last question and then we'll call it with that. Do you think, and this is your opinion, that fans appreciate how much better stadiums are now than they were 25, 30 years ago? Do you think younger fans realize how awful many of those ones were? Now, I, I mean, it's kind of asking you to put yourself in the shoes of other people, which is not super easy. But um, in your opinion, did you feel as though fans um, truly appreciated the differences in these stadiums from the cookie cutters of, um, you know, Veteran Stadium and Three Rivers and Atlanta Fulton County and all those that you talked about versus, you know, the ones that have some more character now? Yeah, you know, I don't think um, I, I have the aspect of, like I said, I've, I've played in forty of those and been in another six, eight, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I have the I have the aspects of, you know, what every every stadium is in comparison. So if if you take it, and I walk myself back to the nineteen seventies where my parents took me down to Kauffman Stadium or Kansas City Royal Stadium, I think it was. And it's, it's still the same one, by the way. Yeah, I didn't know any better. Yeah, I'm walking in. I'm, I'm at a major league ballpark. So unless we're talking about the younger generation that has gotten around to multiple major league stadiums or football stadiums, mm-hmm. you're just happy to be there. Right. You know, you don't see the, you don't see the underbelly of municipal stadium or, you know, the Metrodome or Fenway. You don't really see it. And if you know, if you can't appreciate where you're at and what you're doing, man, I'm sorry because it, yeah, it, it, it could be a lot worse. And I'm sure there's some stadiums out there that I, that you know were gone by the time that I got in here that were horrible, rat-infested places to play a baseball game. But you're still getting to watch a major league baseball game, and I'm still getting to put on spikes and run on their dirt. So, right, I'm never going to complain too much you know, for having the opportunity to play there and, and, uh, you know, just hope that everybody appreciates where they're at and what they got. Cause it's, uh, it's been worse <laughs> <laughs> that it has. Well, Greg, thank you so much for this week's episode and for, uh, you know, we, we kind of hopefully jogged your memory a little bit about some of the older ballparks you played in that do end do not still exist. If there's anything we missed please feel free to clear up the record now, but I I hope you had as much fun as I did. 
Oh, I did. And again, uh, another great job by you pulling out at least four or five questions I'd never thought about. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's bringing your A game because I've been asked a whole bunch of questions over the years and, and to get four or five of them just in the last hours. Really well done, Brandon. Well, thank you. What we should maybe think about here is um, maybe we'll get a a big righty from Louisiana on the podcast here next week, or we'll see what we can iron out, or maybe just over the week I'll come up with something fun like the ballparks you played in like I did this last time. But, too, if people have ideas for things they'd like to hear us talk about, shoot them my way on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren, or even to Greg, I would assume, at Greg Olson 30 with two Gs at the end. Um, you know, you can pass on some some ideas too, or if you have any, just shoot them to me via text. But this has been a great episode. Thanks again to everyone listening to That 90s Baseball Pod, powered by Access Twins, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>